Hi everyone and welcome to the Digitize Diaries, your one-stop conversational platform for frank and open communication around the digitization process. Each episode we deep dive into examples, experience and learnings from experts in the field as well as expanding on our own journey so far. A safe environment to discuss the future of commerce and the role technology will play in it for your business. Now let's jump right in to the conversation. Hello and welcome to episode five of the Digitize Diaries. My name is Wayne Denner. I'm one of your hosts on this journey and I want to say a huge hello and welcome as always to my co-host, Barry Lee Cummins. Barry, welcome back for episode five. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks, Wayne. Always good to be here. Looking forward to our conversation today on the Digitized Diaries. And before we get into, Barry, what we're going to cover on episode five today, we've a packed episode coming up for our listeners. I'm really excited to take a look at the trends when it comes to digital transformation in 2023. But what can our listeners expect from these episodes of the Digitize Diaries? Well, Wayne, we started doing the Digitized Diaries as a way for us to share a little bit of information around the digital transformation and digitization journey that we're on together with our application, CoBabble, but also more importantly, so that we could perhaps a little selfishly as well, learn from others because there's a lot of people on a, a digital transformation journey right now, or their organization is, is thinking about embarking on that journey. And what we wanted to do is create a safe space to talk all about the subject, to ask questions about the subject. Um, there's no such thing as a silly question when you don't know the answer. And we wanted the Digitized Diaries to be that safe place that you could tune in, listen to some of those uh, those inputs and questions and, and probably hear your question answered and go, oh, great. I'm glad they're talking about that. Or join us on one of our live recordings, uh, put your hand up and, and join us on the virtual stage, as it were, to, to share your experience so that others can learn from it. We can uh, we can maybe make a list of the, the do's and don'ts uh, and also just understand the process of digital transformation uh, from real life examples. And so that's the whole point of the Digitized Diaries is this, uh, this platform for us to have a, a conversation around these things that are happening to us and because of us. Um, digitization and digital transformation is not necessarily a new idea, but it's being amplified and accelerated quite a lot over the last six to 12 months. And so we figured, well, let's try and embrace that, have a conversation about that, and let's do it in this format. Indeed, Barry. And that's really what we're going to try and achieve uh, in each and every episode of this podcast. We're going to try and take a look at something new, maybe demystify some of the buzzwords that are out there when it comes to digital transformation maybe some of the technology speak which is circulating and you know which many businesses are maybe confused about uh, I know sometimes myself when I hear these new buzzwords that come out particularly relating to digital technologies I kind of takes me a little bit of, wi- of a while to maybe figure out what it's all about but also how I can use that within my business which is really important so I want to welcome along today hello to Claire thank you for joining us uh, once again this week it's always great to see you back uh, hello to Peter Doak great to see Peter here today but we're going to talk in this episode today Barry about some of the digital transformation 
vaccination trends that we're seeing in 2023 uh, in terms of what's coming down the line, what do people need to be aware of. And I wanted to start off today's episode by talking a little bit about this whole terminology around low code, no code as opportunity for maybe those non-technical businesses that are out there. And there's a lot of them. Maybe people who aren't coming at this from a background of software development, maybe don't have the budget or the resource in behind it to be able to prototype something. And I think prototyping is really important, particularly if you have an idea for a business. And we've been involved, Barry, in many different businesses. Back in 2015, uh, we were involved in a fantastic project called RepSelfie, which we almost had out the door. (laughs) But we did invest an awful lot of energy time and money into building the platform. And of course, back in in 2015, there weren't these opportunities to look for low code or no code, at least to be able to get a prototype together so that we could go out into the marketplace. And what we could do is we could test it with an audience. And our audience at that time, and still is today, Barry, is, is students. So we came up with this tool as a way that students could get an indication on what their online reputation looked like. And RepSelfie was a fantastic tool. And unfortunately for us, and we'll talk maybe a little bit about that later on, we, we weren't able to actually take it to market because of the whole Facebook Cambridge data analytics mm-hmm. uh, that, that happened in relation to how the APIs were being used. But nonetheless, when I reflect back on RepSelfie as a platform um, and as a product and all the time and energy that we spent in that, this new low-code, no-code platforms that are you know starting to become available or environments, what it made it really easy for us to come up with a prototype uh, and maybe even be able to deploy that. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, as you mentioned there, there was a lot of learning that we did the hard way um, in terms of getting to grips with the whole development process of, a, uh, of an app and, and digitizing certain processes to, to provide that service. Um, I think this whole low-code, no-code approach is both good and bad. It, it's, it's good because it can help with the prototyping. Uh, and I think there's some massive advantages to that because you can get your MVP or minimum viable product out the door faster uh, get it into market or at least into a testing area uh, and and get some real life people testing it and telling you, you know what, we love it or actually we hate it and it doesn't do what we want to do. And far better to learn that earlier on than it is to go down the road, get it all done, spend a lot of time, money, resource on building the thing, uh, putting it out there and realizing that, oh, we, we probably should have done it the other way around and ask people what they wanted or actually confirm that the problem we thought we were solving um, is not actually the problem that we need to solve. And, and I think those were some of the somewhat hard lessons we had to learn along the way. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about it, because, you know, we've all got great business ideas, product ideas, and it can be a very long process. There can be a lot of investment involved, um, you know, not only personal funds and finance to sort of get a, a minimal viable product out the door, but I suppose one of the benefits for the uh, the low code, no code environment is that, you know, it provides that graphical user interface. So those of us who are maybe not software developers, um, those of us who are not coders, um, you know, and, and don't really have the capacity or the time to sit down and learn those programming languages, it allows us to use those 
drag and drop tools to come up with, you know, a prototype of what that product's going to look like. And I know Kieran's in the audience today. Kieran, uh, you're very welcome along uh, to this episode of the Digitized Diaries. It's great to see you listening today. Uh, and once again, Peter, and if you guys do want to join the conversation, just raise your hand. Uh, we'd be delighted to invite you up. Again, this is a live podcast. It's going out at the moment. There will be a repurposed version of this available on iTunes, Spotify, and all good podcasting platforms over the next couple of days. So I think low code, no code Barry does provide businesses out there that do want to prototype something. And as you said a couple of moments ago, come up with that minimal viable product. It reduces the development time in the sense, the cost, and also the big one for me is the risk. Um, there's a lot of risk involved if you are you know, building a software platform from the ground up. You know this and I know that. Uh, I mean, we've been at CoBabel now for well over three years. There's been lots of man hours. There has been lots of money spent to get it to the point where we're able to actually able to attract customers in uh, to using the platform. Definitely, yeah, and uh, and I think that it's we we've learned along the way um, again some hard lessons. But one of the things that we did learn quite early on and, and brought from the rep selfie days was this idea that we had a whole load of different ideas about what a a digital transformation platform provider would do, um, but we then actually went and asked a few people what they were needed to do and not just went with our own thoughts on this. And uh, and then we've adopted that approach through the entire and the continued process that we're doing right now of, of building and improving on uh, our current platform that, that, that we have with CoBabel. Uh, but it is this idea, first of all, that we, we need to listen and have other people's input, but also that this is not a quick thing. Um, in spite of the fact that it has become more topical, um, the idea of digital transformation is definitely something that can take time and that any business that is looking at embarking on this this process and this uh, journey um, is to sort of budget accordingly time-wise, not just money-wise, but time-wise for these changes to First of all, the decision to be made around those changes, the implementation of those changes to happen, and then the time for those implementations uh, to actually take effect and see the outcome of those projects. Indeed. And one of the other trends that we're starting to see at the moment is the increased migration to the cloud. More and more businesses relying on cloud technology. So I think that's going to continue to be the case in uh, 2023. Uh, and many of these businesses are looking for it as a way of maybe cutting expenses, you know, improving accessibility um, as well. And we know that from, from our own uh, platform, CoBabel, you know, the cloud infrastructure is really important as well. But we're starting to see a little bit of a, a pricing increase on some of those technologies as well. Um, and we talked in previous episodes about uh, ChatGPT and the amount of cost just to um, have that platform in the cloud based on the amount of people who are using it on a daily basis and how much that was costing. I can't remember the figure. Um, Peter Doak may know that figure, but I know it was crazy, crazy amount of money that they were spending per month on cloud uh, computing costs. And that can be another uh, expense that may be part of that development that you do need to factor in and you do need to think about. Definitely, definitely. And, and it's also interesting because we, whilst it is a trend, I suppose, from, from 2022 to 23, this move to the to the cloud, that's also in itself not a, a new idea because one of the, the organisations that have been on a digital transformation journey for quite some time now, and people probably be familiar with the company name is Adobe, um, and they, way back when, when you needed to use their creative suite, it was a 
you know, a licensing issue and there was all sorts of problems, not problems, but just paying for the license and there was a massive outlay. And then you had to pay for this one and that one and so forth. And they've been uh, moving from, for quite a while now to the cloud, to the point where it's called Adobe Creative Cloud now. Um, and you don't uh, have to buy a license. You are on a subscription service. Um, and so this this is a, a trend for 2023, but it's one that's been, I suppose, gathering steam for quite some time. And those businesses that have, uh, have chosen to go on that digitization journey way, way earlier than maybe those that are looking at it today. Um, it also just emphasizes that these things, you know, I've sort of harped on about it today already, but it, the time it takes, because even when you think about Adobe, they, they were um, a licensed company for so long. They made a conscious decision to um, to shift away from that model and, uh, and and made that decision. So this comes back to this idea of, okay, we, we're going to go on a, a journey and uh, we're going to make some decisions. And they wanted to make this decision to, to get from the boardroom to reality um, and, and this idea of financial sustainability by moving across to a more digitized approach. And so they did. Um, but again, just to highlight that they made those decisions. Um, and then way back in, uh, I think it was what, 2011 to 2014. So for three years, um, they they suffered declining revenues because of the decision to go towards, um, you know, a software as a service. And, uh, and, and they rode it out, they kept going. And then eventually, they started to catch the wave on the way up. And so just as an example, they, they were hit hard, obviously, in 2008, as the world took a turn, like, everybody did their revenue was around three and a half billion dollars in 20 uh, 2008 they carried on through and, and stuck to their guns and by uh, the end of 2020 their revenue was at 12.8 billion dollars um so it was a, a, a turnaround that took a lot of um courage to initiate a lot of patience to wait for the the return but by sticking to their guns and, and following through with their, their decision to digitize and move towards the, the cloud approach, um, it's paid off. But uh, again, just a, an example there of how long it can take. That's a fantastic example. And I think one that, you know, we can all remember because those of us maybe who are listening into the podcast today will remember a time where we used to have a CD-ROM with uh, Adobe Photoshop on it or Dreamweaver or one of those old... Um, applications that we used to use way, way back in the day that came in that CD uh, format and you would buy the CD, you would buy it one off. And mm. I can remember prices of like 1200 quid at the time for just one application. And, and again, I use Adobe Creative Suite and I absolutely love it because I love the way that, you know, you pay one subscription and then you get access to all of the different software. Um, so you have Adobe Premiere, you have Adobe Edition, you have you know, you have Photoshop and, and I use those on a daily basis and they're fantastic. And one of the things I love about Adobe in particular, and I used to use other video editing software. I used to use, what's the one for Mac? Final Cut Pro. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So I used to use Final Cut Pro. And one of the, the pain points I had, now it might have just been, again, user <laughs> or on my end because I wasn't aware of it. But one of the things I love about the Adobe Creative Suite, if you're editing a video on, let's say, Premiere Pro, you want to adjust your audio. Well, what they've done is they've linked it to Adobe Audition. So you literally just have to click on the audio file and then right click open in Adobe Audition make your edits, fine tune your audio and then click save and then it'll automatically update in your Premiere video that you're editing. So it's fantastic how it's integrated, um, how it syncs all up and the process is just so much easier to do than some of the other video editing platforms that I've used in the past. So I love what they're doing with it. Um, 
I don't think I'll cancel my Adobe Cloud subscription anytime in the near future. Um, I think it's it's fantastic. It's very useful. And it is that example of software as a service. So it's interesting when you were explaining the, the Adobe example that, you know, there was a lot of pain involved in that for them as a company. And when it comes to digital transformation, there's no doubt in my mind that there will be areas that are going to be difficult, are going to be challenging. Uh, We talked in previous episodes of the podcast, Barry, about the importance of making your staff aware of this digital transformation so that you don't meet just as much resistance. You're going to meet resistance, there's no doubt about it, because people are apprehensive about any form of change, particularly where digital technologies are concerned. Now, you know, we talked about this in previous episodes, McDonald's launching its first fully automated restaurant in Texas. What does that mean for McDonald's employees worldwide? Does that mean that McDonald's is going to become fully automated? Probably not just yet, but there's probably going to be more automation in that particular industry as well, which ultimately is going to impact jobs. Sorry, yeah, it is. <laughs> Just had to cough there. Um, yeah, it is. But this is also one of the things that we're trying to emphasise with these discussions is that there are, for sure, we have to be realistic about this. There are certain roles that um, we are undertaking as humans right now that we won't need to in the future. And if we are in a position where that is the case and we can see that ahead of time, um, that rather than pushing back against it, which is a natural reaction, of course, is to see whether or not we can change our perspective a little bit. And these conversations are designed to hopefully um, impact that a little bit to see, well, if I can see that my job title or role actually has an end date and I can see that it's happening. But that end date, as you said just there, it's not tomorrow in most cases. It's it's a good couple of years down the line whilst there's refinements done to all of the AI and the machine learning and, and the other digital platforms and, and tools that are being created is that can we use that time more effectively in between so that we can then position ourselves uh, as a handy resource for, for some of the companies of the future whereby, yes, the, the role of serving the McDonald's out of the window at the drive through is no longer there, but the role of programming this software to be as efficient as possible, that's going to be there. Uh, and is there a way that we can we can embrace that rather than push back against it? Exactly. And in some cases, you know, automation can be a good thing for companies and organization because in the short term, automation technologies and solutions, you know, provide uh, the potential to increase productivity and also enhance the customer experience as well, which is really important. So if there are areas of our business that we can automate and automation, you know, is, is possible, then that could be a good thing because it maybe is going to help enhance that overall productivity output and also improve that end customer experience. And what's interesting, you know, over 80% of corporate leaders say that they are accelerating work processes, automation and growing their use of remote labor. So we're seeing more and more automation in lots of different sectors, in lots of different industries. And as you said, and, you know, as I mentioned a couple of moments ago, it's going to be a while before that touches maybe all businesses and organizations. But at some point, there's going to be more automation in the shops, in the businesses, in the industries that we use on a daily basis. And it's interesting to see quite a lot of automation. And I know Kieran probably would be better 
place than me to explain this and has probably got some great examples in and around the hospitality industry and particularly the the the, the tourism industry uh, and also the aviation industry. And I've seen a lot of automation myself when I've been traveling through various different airports and using various different airlines. Ryanair is a good example of this. The whole process is automated where you're using technology to check in for your flight. Uh, you get updates then if your flight is delayed. Get all of that through your through your smartphone. So that process has removed the the people process of that where you know you need to phone people or you need to let people know that this is happening. Now because we've all got our smartphone devices, we've all got apps on our devices and when we're purchasing flights with Ryanair for example, we're able to get those real-time updates and many of those will be automated. So if a, f- a flight is coming from London to Dublin for example, if it's delayed leaving London, then that process is all automated that it dispatches a notification to people who are maybe waiting to get that flight back from Dublin to London that there's going to be a 20 minute delay or, or a 40 minute delay or whatever it is. But in your travels, Barry, have you ever seen any interesting examples of automation? Well, yeah, it was whilst you were saying that, because I think that there are so, there's some great examples of how it can work very well if the entire process has been thought through. The example that sprang to mind is actually just the other weekend here on the ground in the UAE. Um, the idea of, um, we, we went to see some friends, so we decided that we'd, um, as a family, stay over uh, the, the evening in a, in a hotel. And it was a hotel where you could do online check-in and the, it comes through and is communicated to you. You could make the booking through their app. It comes through and it's like, oh, here, here's your opportunity to check in online uh, and this will save you so much time uh, because you just literally walk through the hotel doors uh, and my expectation was that I would walk through the hotel doors. There'd be a dedicated desk or, or area. I'd say, oh, I checked in online. Here's my details. And they just give me my, my, um, my uh, door key. So uh, I arrived at the, the hotel, w- walked in through the door, um, and then was greeted by this huge, massive queue of people because there was a group uh, checking in as well. And so I said, oh, I, I, I found a guy. And I said, oh, I've, I've checked in online. I've, I've done it all through the app and so forth. Um, wh- where do I go to get the key? And he said, oh, yeah, you just queue up here. And I thought, oh, really? Uh, and, and I was just so disappointed because my expectation was, okay, I've booked it on the app. I've checked in on the app. This is great experience so far. Uh, and now I get to physically turn up, get my key, and we whiz straight up to the room uh, and get on with our day. Uh, and unfortunately, no, the, the, my initial experience uh, and, and for the family as well, I've got two little boys is that they ended up sitting in the car for about 35 minutes whilst I stood in the queue in the lobby waiting for all of these people to be checked in and do whatever they're doing to then hand over my phone which had all my details on there uh, just for them to say oh yeah yes and uh, and then take a live copy of my ID and I was thinking all the time like could I not have submitted this as part of the online check-in uh, and gone through this process. And it was just it just really became apparent to me that they hadn't ne- taken this all the way through <laughs> to the end of the process. It kind of got halfway and then I was like, oh, this isn't working how I thought. And it d- just came to the top of mind as you were, you were saying that way. Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. I've actually seen examples of that where the process has, you know, you got to do all this online. And then when you turn up at the event, for example, you're queuing with everybody else to pick up your tickets when it's just yeah. a matter of scanning 
sing it and off you go into it. Um, but I want to welcome up uh, Kieran, Kieran Swale. Uh, he's a business mentor, tourism innovation specialist at Southern Regional College. Uh, not too far away from me and uh, Kieran used to be uh, a former uh, lecturer of mine back in my days when I was studying in Newry College of Further Education. Kieran's a, a great man for all things tourism and hospitality. Good morning or good afternoon Kieran. you're very welcome along to episode five of the Digitized Diaries. Lovely, Wayne and Barry, thanks a million, really enjoying the chat today. I've started to listen to the uh, previous episode four which was very interesting so thanks so I have to jump in about five or ten minutes, but I just I'm loving the conversation to date. And if I could just come in conversely, Barry, uh, I had a very interesting this summer. Uh, I'm not going to talk about flight delays, but the reason I was in uh, a hotel airport uh, with a said company <laughs> was because I had to my flight was uh, cancelled. Let's say uh, so. I had the exp- I had two experiences, Barry. Um, one um, neither of them similar to you. The first one was the automation of the room which was uh, very much about uh, um, everything could be controlled from the app, from the curtains to the lights, to the water, to everything. And I was just absolutely wow. This was a hotel in Nice Airport within the hotel. So automation, certainly from the whole experience, has really, really changed that, that visitor experience. And that was a very, very positive one. Um, another uh, at the airport in Nice Airport was <clears throat> at one said car rental company. Um, that I was adjacent to. I was in the long, long queue waiting for my car hire, which we'd paid a lot of money for. And beside me operates the uh, said company with a self-check-in and they were done and dusted in about three minutes. I was there for about 90 minutes. So <laughs> a very different experience, Barry. <laughs> just saying where it's going, you know, and uh, the whole automation and the journey from fast track to the airport. Um, last summer was really... Uh, disrupted everything because there were so many cancellations and already warnings from some of the low-cost carriers about this summer, reading what uh, Michael O'Leary was saying about um, possible disruptions this summer. So we're all looking for automation, and I think that can ease that. But uh, it's it, it, it's a contradiction when the automation ends up you queuing more. So um, I think it's kind of watch this space, but I love the fast checking at the car here. And I, I said to my wife, Maria, if this happens again, we're doing that. We yeah. I just thought to chip in. There's lots of examples about in-room experiences when, where technology is, technology is working throughout the hospitality sector from self-checking where um, you don't have to have any uh, contact with the, with the uh, hotel staff. On a personal note, uh, I think that takes away from the experience, Wayne. You'll know that because uh, I train local tour guides. But So technology, we have to be aware of it. It has many advantages, but as Barry has shared, there are some disadvantages with it. Thanks, Kieran. Yeah, I think, and I, I completely agree, and I'm definitely on the pro side of things. It was just in this particular scenario, it seemed like they hadn't thought to the end of the process because I also agree that it wasn't that I although I I do know there's some hotels where you can do everything without seeing anybody you check in and you don't use your phone to access the door and it works really well Um, and it was just that was almost my expectation and uh, and perhaps that was my mistake I had that expectation it didn't quite live up to the expectation uh, when I got through the hotel doors but I think as you said that more and more it is happening the more that more time that passes, the more opportunity the the brands have to sort of get it right and go through the entire journey. And when it works, I mean, it's fantastic. And and it really, I I love it when it does. And it sounds like you had a a very nice hotel there in Nice where you could control everything from from the app. And and again, why not? Because that opportunity is there for us to exploit. Barry, there is another story with that. And I'll leave it this one, but uh, it has to be off air (laughs) where I woke up in the middle of the night. Let's say I hit the wrong button 
Oh dear. It sounds like a Wallace and Gromit movie. It's a I think probably share that over a coffee or a beer at another stage. Thanks, sounds good. And maybe Kieran will get you back on one of the future episodes actually to talk a little bit more about AI and VR. I know you're involved heavily in that, and that would be a good discussion. VR, VR side, yeah, we're doing some stuff. Definitely. Barry and Wayne, listen, I have to pop off, but I'll go to follow ups to the podcast. But I'm loving the chat. Thanks a million. Thanks, Kieran. Appreciate it. And that's really what this podcast is all about. Case in point, Barry. It's about bringing people on board to talk a little bit about what they're experiencing, what they're seeing out there and what's happening in the world uh, of digital transformation. I want to say hello to Neil. Uh, Neil, thanks for joining us today on episode five of the Digitized Diaries. Mustafa, thank you so much for listening in today. Don't forget, as always, guys, if there's something you'd like to bring up, discussion point, uh, pick up on something we're talking about today uh, on this episode of the podcast. We're talking about digital transformation trends. Uh, And just for a recap for those people who maybe have just joined, we were talking about the old low-code, no-code opportunity and how businesses might be able to use that for rapid prototyping, minimal viable products. We were talking about cloud migration uh, and companies moving a lot more of their infrastructure to the cloud. Barry shared a great example of Adobe. And then we're just trying to talk about what things are we seeing out there at the moment. But there's no doubt, Barry, automation is key. And with Cobabble in particular, one of the things that we've been focusing on with the core features within the platform is just that. It's making checklists, making forms, making audits automated. And in the industry that Cobabble sits at the moment, you know, some companies are using it for health and safety. And sometimes you can forget to do things. Uh, And in particular, the audits is a good example. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about those today is the audit can actually be scheduled and can be automated to notify a key employee within the organization that this particular audit needs to be done. And here are the requirements for that audit. And the process of that is handled very smoothly through Cobabble. Indeed, yeah. And I think it comes back to this idea that whilst we are looking at digital transformation and automation, there, there's still very much a heavy uh, human element, element in, involved in, in most of our businesses and will be for the foreseeable future. So the idea of, of something like a, a health and safety audit is, is still such an important part of most businesses in today's world. And the, one of the reasons we did what we did with Cobabble is because we had discussions with quite a few people where... For you and I, who are not maybe that heavily involved in the health and safety um, side of business as such, that something so important was sometimes, uh, as you just mentioned there, either forgotten or that um, a health and safety or a um, you know a safety audit was supposed to take place on site at a specific time, and it wasn't. And uh, and so the idea with Cobabble was to say, all right, well, let's take it one step further. Instead of you having to print off your 400 questions of your safety audit and wander around the site or building or facility or whatever it is uh, and check things off, why not let's do that on our smart devices because you've got one already. Why don't then we take it a step further so that as we see things that are not correct or unsafe in this particular uh, example, we can document it, take a picture of it, take a video of it uh, to show that, I don't know, the, the fire extinguisher hose is, is, is not connected or the sprinkler system is, is not working or there's rust all over the ladders or wh- whatever it is that we see. We take a picture of it, document it with a video. We can then assign it to somebody immediately from within the app so that there is an action taken. It goes up the chain. It can be allocated to the correct resource and that can actually be fixed um, in real time 
time rather than this idea of walking around, ticking it all off on a piece of paper. Then hopefully double data entry of putting all of that data from the paper back into a system and then interrogating uh, the information that was provided. We streamed that ho whole process and then we linked it back up to our check-in, check-out function so that actually you couldn't undertake that safety audit if you weren't physically on the site where you were supposed to be taking that audit in the first place. Because again, we had learned from exam some examples of, of conversations we had with people that said, well, We've had some situations unfold where these um, insurance claims have been put through for accidents at work uh, because the, the audit was effectively giving the all clear on everything and then there was an accident and then there was no way for us to prove that the audit was undertaken in the right place at the right time or for us to prove that the person who had the accident was actually on site in the first place. So we kind of tied this whole thing together to again streamline a process uh, and di digitize a process with the view of saving time and at the end of the day um, saving a business um, money uh, but also to help refine the human experience in this because I think it's also very important for us to realize that in these scenarios that we were hearing about it tended to be the people that were suffering at the end of the day whether it was the accident whether it was the accountability or, or the, um, you know, the, the the fault finding as it were with who was responsible for these kind of things and that's where digitization and technology can come into its own because there is is a digital, um, a digital thread, as it were. There is a, a a road to follow to say this is where they were, this is at what time they were, this is when they undertook that particular audit, this is when that action was allocated to somebody. It was undertaken, completed. We closed that loop. They've digitally signed it in Cobalt as well. So if it's me, Barry is taking responsibility to say yes, I did this and everything was all clear. Now, if something happened, now there's some responsibility on my shoulders as well because at that time. Uh, I said that we were okay to do this. And so it was tying this all together within our platform to try and uh, to try and help um, some of these situations not unfold again in the future. And that's the great thing about what you've just outlined and explained from how that feature actually works from a business and organization. And you're not going to get that with your traditional analog checklists that you're doing with a pen and a piece of paper. So the ability to tie all that back, the ability to capture the fault or the problem Problem, to be able to document that with a, a photograph or a video, that's hugely powerful. And also then for somebody else within the organization to be able to log in and see where that audit is, who's responsible for it, has it been completed, has it not been completed. And that key element for me, which is one of the most valuable things, is that you have to be physically on site to carry out that audit. And you just don't have that accountability or that traceability with your paper audit that you're submitting. You could be doing that from home or you could be doing that from somewhere else. So that audit feature within Cobabel is one feature that we've worked really hard on to try and refine, to try and make better, but also listening to feedback, which is really important for the overall digital transformation piece that we're talking about today is, you know, listening to what customer is telling you from their own pain points and trying to come up with a solution that helps solve that problem. And for many people, that's what digital transformation can do. It can help solve some problems within your organization. And it's always fantastic to have these conversations. So if anybody is listening into the episode today and does want to take a look at the Cobabble My Audit feature, please do just reach out to myself or Barry. Check out the website, cobabble.com. Uh, we'd be delighted to show you through how the product works, give you some examples of how it might fit within your company 
or organization. But as always, Barry, it's been another fantastic conversation today. I mean, time really flies whenever we start these discussions and we have these conversations because there's so much to learn and there's so much happening out there when it comes to transformation in general. Absolutely. And the time does fly. And I think that's also a big part of what we're doing is that there's so much to talk about that I think there's going to be many, many more episodes of the Digitized Diaries. Uh, one thing that we want to do is try and uh, keep the the conversations somewhat focused on each of these episodes so that we don't go off on a tangent because you and I both know um, we're we're educators and, and uh, communicators at heart. We'll go on and on and on. Um, but uh, it's to try and keep it uh, somewhat succinct uh, around these areas. And, and have each of these episodes so that if you're listening in live, again, being able to contribute and be a part of it. And if you're catching it on a replay or wherever you listen to your podcasts, that you can learn something from these things. It may spark a question, in which case do come and join us on the next one and ask the question live. Exactly. And that's what we're trying to achieve with this. We want to do as many of these live as we can so we can bring other people along on the journey. We can learn from you. And previous episodes, we've had Peter uh, up sharing his thoughts and insights. We've had Kieran on today, which has been fantastic so if you are joining us on the next episode or you're listening into this on the replay uh, keep an eye out for those LinkedIn notifications on Barry's page or my page uh, when we're actually going live we're probably going to do it either a Tuesday or a Thursday um, that's when we're going to try and get these set up and get them recorded uh, and get them out the door but once again I want to thank everybody for taking time out of their busy day to join us uh, thanks to Peter uh, Mustafa and also Neil thank you so much guys uh, for stopping by today and also to Kieran coming up earlier on and sharing his experiences and some of the transformation pieces that he's seen. But we're going to be back next week, Barry, for another episode of the show. Any ideas what's coming up or what we're going to talk? We didn't talk about ChatGPT today. We were very good. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We're trying not to talk about it all the time because everybody's only talking about that right now. <laughs> but there's definitely some interesting things happening around that. So I am 100% sure it's going to crop up in another episode, probably next week. <laughs> no doubt. So once again, guys, thanks for picking up this episode today and we will see you on the next episode of the Digitized Diaries. Thanks for listening into this episode of the Digitized Diaries with your hosts, Wayne and Barry. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation and deep dive and today's learnings can help growth for you and your business. Don't forget to hit the subscribe so you get notified when the next episode is available. See you next time.